When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Whether the action is at the link or the bank, there's never an off day on Broad Street. It's the biggest news of the day, every day, with takes from someone who's never short on them. It's WIP Daily with Joe Giglio. Welcome on in, WIP Daily. Joe Giglio with you on a Monday And a lot to talk about here with the Phillies, who finally have themselves a good week. I actually feel better about the Phillies this weekend. I know the games were tight on Friday and Saturday. Uh, The Phillies had that comeback on Friday. Wheeler was not good, and they couldn't complete the comeback. But winning two out of three, getting Kyle Schwarber going, the Drew Ellis game on Sunday, I I feel better about the Phillies. At least there's something I could count on. They still beat the Nats. I mean, that that was last year, and that's so far this year in their three games. They still could beat. The Phillies are 27-32, four and a half games back in the wild card. I thought today would be a good day to kind of dive in to the NL wild card picture because we've focused really on this podcast, on WIP, so much on the Phillies so far. And we really haven't had a look at what they're up against in the NL playoff field other than it's just a muck. It's just a bunch of teams all logged together. And, you know, last year was quite different. Last year really felt like there were – there are about seven or eight teams for six spots. And as the Giants last summer fell, it really became seven teams for six spots. It was just like, just be one of those six teams out of the seven that's going to make out of the, of the seven, six were going to make it. So like the Phillies didn't have a very high bar to clear. They had to win enough games, but it wasn't like every day there were three or four other teams kind of in the mix here. So let, let's get into this. Tucker's going to jump on in a few minutes, give his thoughts on the Phils and, and this group right here. So this year, I think it's different. And I think there's just way more teams. Now, it might actually take less wins to make the playoffs. I'm not sure if it's going to take 87 wins in the NL this year to get one of the six spots, but there's more competitors. The way I view it right now, I think three teams are just we're just going to pencil them in as playoff teams. The Braves are going to win the NL East. The Central is going to be won by somebody. But I also don't really believe in most of the other central contenders. So I think it's just probably going to be one team at the central. So just pencil in a central team. Right now it's Milwaukee. Let's just say it's Milwaukee. And the Dodgers in the West. And the Dodgers Diamondbacks are going back and forth. I, I believe that the Dodgers will find a way to win the division. And if they don't, the Diamondbacks probably do. So let's just put in the Dodgers for this kind of placeholder spot. So Braves, central winner, Dodgers. The way I look at it after that is, and, and we'll use the Brewers as kind of a placeholder in the NL Central. So after that, I look at it and say there are seven other wild card contenders, seven teams I think are viable that could be around 500-ish, if not a little bit better, for the other playoff spots. And the Phillies are in that mix, but 
in my rankings right now, they're not in a playoff spot, quote-unquote. I don't have them as one of the top three wildcard teams that I've seen so far and kind of projecting it forward. So here are the seven teams, and we'll kind of bucket these teams into like the best and then the middle and then teams I really don't believe in. So we'll kind of start at the bottom here. I, I have the Marlins because right now they're in a playoff spot. I mean, I, you can't deny it. Their record of one-run games has been remarkable. Their run differential is not good, but they have really good young pitching. And they have more offense now with Larissa Rice, who's, by the way, still hitting like four, almost 400. And Jorge Soler, who's got almost 20 home runs. They have more offense than the last year. And the young pitching is better than it was last year, even though their Cy Young guy from last year is taking a step back. But the Marlins... It's weird. They do this every few years. We're like, are they going to make the playoffs? They did in the, in the pandemic year. They certainly have enough pitching. Uh, they have more offense. If they get their, if they get Sandy back on track, they're they're kind of dangerous here. And I know their run differential is bad, but they've banked a lot of wins already. So I have the Marlins as kind of the, the bottom tier, but certainly want to keep an eye on. I've been waiting to just write off the Pirates and tell them just like to go away. I, 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 we have to include them here. I mean, they have a better record than the Phillies. They have a better run differential than the Phillies. They have pitched better than I thought they would, and, and Mitch Keller might be a Cy Young candidate this year. And their young bats have come along. They've done a lot of this without O'Neill Cruz. So they're kind of on the periphery. I put them in, like, the bottom bucket. Marlins and Pirates still haven't gone away. The next bucket, the next two, are two teams that we just really watched last week together, and that is the Mets and the Phillies. They're very similar to me in that they're underachieving. They are older in some spots. They're expensive. And they're not as good as, as they were last year. I mean, they're just, they're just not. I mean, the Mets were a 100-win team and led the NL East for almost the entire year until losing it to the Braves at the end. And the Phillies obviously would the last four months. And then the playoffs were really good for a lot of last year. They're not as good this year. I mean, the Phillies run differentials towards the bottom of, of the National League. And the Mets have just kind of been up and down, up and down, similar to the Phillies, but I guess a little bit better and – the sweep last week by the Mets is, is kind of the difference right now between these two teams. So I, I put the Phillies and the Mets in the same kind of bucket as they're better on paper than the Pirates and the Marlins. They might be better than one team I, I put above them right now in the stand in the in the rankings here. But there's just something off. Now, of the two teams, the Mets are probably the more likely one to go do something drastic at the trade deadline because of their owner and where their payroll is already. Heck, maybe the Phillies will too. I mean – they're kind of committed to this and spend a lot of money anyway. So I put the Mets and Phillies together there in the middle. And then the three teams that I have above the other ones, and there's one very specific reason why, and then we'll, we'll get Tucker's thought on, on kind of the, the group that we're talking about here and, and the Phillies as they get Kyle Schwarber going and obviously have themselves a really good weekend the last couple of days. The three I have above the Marlins, Pirates, Phillies, and Mets. And I, I know there's some other teams here like the Cardinals I'm not including right now. Uh, the Cubs, I'm not including. You could put them there towards the bottom. Like you want to put them in the in the Pirate Pirates Marlins group. Cool, good, go for it. I, I just I think there's. I'm going to put this group. I think of the group I mentioned, the seven I mentioned, three will make the playoffs. So we'll just leave it at that. Um, but the three I have above, and there's a couple specific reasons why, are the three NL West teams, and it's the Diamondbacks who are above everyone right now, and they've pitched better than I thought they would. They're kind of ahead, well, a year ahead of schedule. The Padres, who although their record is similar to the Phillies, I, I just think they're a little bit better. Their run differential is about 30 runs better. They have missed Manny Machado for the past three or four weeks with an injury. He'll be back soon. When they get, And they really haven't had much time at all with their whole lineup together. Like When they can stack up 
Tatis and Bogarts and, and Machado and Soto, they're going to score a lot of runs. Their bullpen has a lot of good arms, including Josh Hader, and they have a waves of starting pitching. The Padres strike me as the team that could be last year's Phillies, more than the Phillies are kind of last year's Phillies. Like the Padres just strike me as a team that they're going to get really hot at some point here and start reeling off some wins. So I have them ahead of the Phillies. I have the Giants ahead of the Phillies, who swept them a couple weeks ago because they have pitching. I mean, they just they, they have tons of pitching, and they've caught up all these young kids the last few weeks, and they're, they're kind of turning their season around. Now, they're a weird team in that if they fall out of it, maybe they sell because they're kind of have all these weird veterans and youngsters mixed together. But right now, the Giants are better. And, of course, the, the Diamondbacks. And the reason I have all three NL West teams, it's, it's a little bit similar to last year when it came to the Phillies making their run. Now, there's not quite as many games against division opponents, but still, the worst run differential in the NL is the Colorado Rockies, which means that Diamondbacks, Giants, Padres, and obviously the Dodgers all get to play the Rockies all summer long. I know it's a little bit less games than the Phillies had against the Nats, but it would not surprise me at all if one of those teams, and maybe it's the Padres, maybe it's the Giants, Diamondbacks, I don't know, one of them has like, you know, goes 12-1, and one or 10-2 and two against the, the, the Rockies, who are right now the worst team in the NL. Meanwhile, the other divisions really don't have that. I mean, the worst team in the NL Central right now is the Cardinals, who won that division last year. So I don't think there's just going to be, whether it be the you know the, the Pirates or the, the Cubs, I don't think anyone's going to beat up on any one team in that division a ridiculous amount of times. And the same thing with the NL East. Although the Phillies just went 2-1 and one against the Nats, you could see it. The games were more competitive, at least Friday, Saturday, than they were last year. The Nationals are a little bit better than they were last year. The worst team in the NL right now is the Rockies. So that's why I think the NL West has an advantage there. So the way I bucket it is I go Diamondbacks, Padres, Giants are, are the top three right now. I think they're the favorites to get the wild card the way I do my power rankings. Next are Mets and Phillies, then are Pirates and Marlins. And I keep waiting for the Pirates and Marlins to kind of fall off, and they haven't. And I think the Mets and Phillies are very similar to each other. Now, will one of those two emerge and kind of get on track? Probably. And they very well could could chase down the Padres or the Giants as the summer goes along. But this field is just different, Tucker, than it was last year. Remember we had a lot of conversations on on the show, on the evening show back in the day last year about, like, what do the Phillies really have to do? It's just the Brewers, right? Catch the Brewers are in the playoffs. It could take less wins this year, as Tucker has the Tasty Cake Studios background behind him today. Um, but there's a lot more teams that could stay in this weird, like, get to 85 wins, get a playoff spot type of thing. Yeah, it's definitely a more more crowded group. And it's kind of funny because you, you look at it now, and I think every team that's over 500 in the National League is in a playoff spot, which is kind of how it was last year, right? The, there are only six, seven real contenders, and they all made the postseason minus the Brewers. But you're right. And when you add in the other underachieving teams like the Padres, um, Giants right around 500, Mets, I think are right at 500 after getting swept by, by Toronto over the weekend. It, it's a much more crowded group. And certainly the Phillies could reel off six in a row and, and be right at the top of the list. But you, you mentioned your reason for loving the Giants is the pitching, and that's my big concern with the Phillies right now. I mean, I know Ranger Suarez put together a fantastic performance last night, and that's probably more indicative uh, of what we're going to get from him moving forward, but Phillies don't have a starting pitcher with an ERA plus over 100, right? Like, for a rotation that has Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler at the top of it, they haven't gotten average or above average pitching from any of their spots in the rotation, except for maybe Matt Strom, 
who is, you know, going back and forth between the rotation and bullpen based strictly on need right now. And and when you look at this team and in the offseason, we thought they had an abundance of starting pitch and they had six, seven, maybe eight guys who could fill in after last year when you only had, you know, three we that, that you were comfortable with in the postseason. Now you aren't even at that right now. Now you're only at, you know, maybe one or two or, or three, depending on how Nola or Wheeler uh, are, are feeling that day. It, it, it's worrisome. And, you know, for an offense that's like 12th and runs right now, though they're fifth in OPS in the National League. So I, I think that number is probably going to jump up, especially as Kyle Schwarber starts to, to heat up over the summer and Drew Ellis gets more at bats after his ridiculous game yesterday. I just don't know. I, I feel like this is a team that feels more flawed than last year. Doesn't feel as complete. And I wonder if this season kind of fits like those seasons before they went on that run, you know, 15 years ago where, yeah, they were number one in the National League in runs, but they also gave up the most. And, you know, you go and look at, you know, 03, 04, 06, kind of what they did in those years. This team kind of feels like that, where, where they're going to lose a lot of games like they did Friday night, where their offense claws back and puts together a great performance, but the pitching just can't hold it together and you lose 8-7. I'm worried that this is where it's headed for this team. And in a crowded field, you can't afford to be giving away seven-run performances against the Nationals. Well, you can. It's a good point. And, and that Friday game was it, it was the kind of game we'll look back on if it turns out to be they missed by a game or two. Like, man, they clawed back. They fought back. Like, all those things you want out of a team. But the starting pitching was so bad early that it just didn't matter. Like, you have that many runs, you're probably going to lose the game. And and now you kind of look forward with the schedule and what the Phillies have in store. And, and I mentioned, I think I mentioned this last week, that last you know last year the Phillies found a way to have tiebreakers almost over almost any NL playoff contender. So as we went down the stretch of that season, and it even mattered at the end because remember the Phillies clinched with two days to go because they had the tiebreakers instead of the final game of the season. So it mattered. I mean, it gave them a little leg up. It let them set the rotation up, everything they needed to do to get ready for that series against St. Louis. This year so far, they they have not fared very well against the teams in the bucket that I just mentioned, the Arizonas, the Mets, the Giants. I mean, they just – they haven't. Um, and now – you know, as the schedule kind of turns here, they get the Tigers at home this week, and really they should be able to – they got to beat the Tigers two out of three. I mean, if not sweep the Tigers. I mean, that is a team that can't hit at all, and, and they have Noel on the mound tonight. So this should be a bounce back for Aaron Noel tonight. But so the schedule's kind of weird the next few weeks. It feels like easy, not so easy, easy, hard, and then it kind of goes back and forth. But really the games I'm going to be looking at very closely over the next month or so. They have the three against Detroit. They play the Dodgers here this week, and that will be a big challenge. But they have four in Arizona. Very big games. I mean, very big games after Arizona came here and beat them a couple weeks ago. Then they go to Oakland. I mean, you've got to just sweep Oakland. I, I know the Braves lost a couple of them, but the Braves have room for error. Oakland is one of the worst teams we've ever seen. And then it's Atlanta. Then it's the Mets. So, like, you, you kind of play it out. They have, between now and the All-Star break, 10 games against the Mets, Arizona, and Miami. And those are those are three teams in the bucket. We just talked about the seven teams for the three spots that are going to be like tiebreakers are going to matter here. I mean, you could have a scenario where one of these teams wins 85, other ones 85 and a tiebreaker puts you in. Or they don't do those one game playoffs anymore. Didn't play out last year, but it certainly certainly could play out this year. Look, it was a good weekend for the Phils overall. Kyle Schwarber, it's June. The Phillies are probably stealing Tucker Sweet like they did last year again. And it's going to be a good June for Schwarber and Drew Ellis. So I, I think the Phillies are heading – back on the upswing after what happened on Saturday and Sunday. But this is going to be a different kind of race this year. And I think the, the standings, day-to-day, -day, the head-to-head, it's all going to matter. Last year was like 
hey, the Brewers are kind of falling apart. And the Phillies overtake them. And by August, I was I think we all were like, yeah, I think they could do that. This year is going to be different. It's going to be a different kind of race. Are the Phillies up for it? Well, like Tucker said, they have to pitch. If they pitch, they'll be all right. If they don't, there's a lot of teams they have to jump over without a good pitching staff. It's going to be interesting. Tigers, Phil's coming up this week. Appreciate listening. Follow the podcast wherever you get your podcast, WIP Daily, and, of course, our video feed right here on the 94 WIP YouTube page. Thanks for listening. We'll talk tomorrow.